All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Can you see it? Did you You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I, don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network Podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted him in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation presented by those great folks over there at Zephyr Epic. Be sure to use promo code HockeySeason 
for $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic.com, or head in there and speak nicely to the folks behind the till and just say hockey season. They'll give you 5 bucks off your order. You can use it in person or on the website. My name is Chris Faber. Joining me here in studio for the first time that we've been able to work together on my platform, Jeff, because I've helped you out a couple times. You're coming here to help me out. I appreciate it. Jeff Patterson from the Rink Wide podcast, post game, every game. We're going to call it that. Are you changing up the motto this year? Yeah, we're not doing the game in Seattle on Thursday night because <laughs> it's not being televised. So we can't say every single game. Okay. But, but yes, for the most part, uh, we're back. We started on Sunday. Lots to talk about after uh, that one. <laughs> but yes, another season of Rink Wide Vancouver uh, post game podcast. Looking forward to it. Uh, you and I are spending a little too much time together here. Yeah. Uh, Penticton. Then we carpooled home from Victoria. Uh, here I am in the Magic Palace, seeing where all of this. Like I've watched the show, uh, but actually be inside the Canuck Convo Studio. Mm-hmm. And can I just say quickly, uh, because like training camp went by in a blink of an eye, right? Like really three days. Uh, I think Harmon Drant stayed for a fourth day. But, Ugh, idiots. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thursday night, like the first full day of training camp in Victoria, a few of us gather afterwards. The work is done. Time to have a little bit of fun. I join the group late. Where were we? Craft? Craft, yep. Craft, yeah. So I show up, and Faber has these three fish tacos mm. just sitting there in those little like, little V-racks, ready to go. And I'm thinking to myself, like, these things look incredible. Like, mm. I was almost ready to like offer you money for one of them. <laughs> but I said to you then, and I'm just to tell the story, you were giving me anxiety because these things just sat for like 10 minutes. They'd been served. They were there and you weren't touching them. You were eating salad. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. The two folks who were with us there, PJ, Patrick Johnson and yeah. Rob, they're just talking and talking and talking about this kale Caesar salad that they ate. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do my first bite of just the salad because these guys are going off about this damn salad. I take one bite and I'm like, oh, this, is, this isn't this is a salad. This is like a cheese dish with a little bit of vegetables mixed into it. So I, yeah, as soon as I had one bite of the salad, I was rolling through that thing. Uh, but the fish tacos were excellent too. That's kind of my go-to. You know how a lot of people do... A fried chicken sandwich, it feels like, is kind of the basic order. When you go to a restaurant, you don't know. That was my order. You end up going with the fried chicken. <laughs> hey, I mean, J-Fat, you know it. You know it. When you don't know a restaurant, you get the chicken sandwich. Right. I'm more of a, like, I'm a little bit, and it's kind of, it's a risky move to go for the fish at a lot of different restaurants, yep. but I, I normally go for the fish tacos. It's well, kind they of like incredible. Yeah. But they just, you, you were killing me because they were just sitting there forever, <laughs> and I was like, eat the damn Taco. Yeah, no, I was too busy with salad and beer at that point. And by the way, that day, that was the first thing I ate that day. It was about 6.30. So I was just trying to get whatever food I could into me at that point. I said the first calories I took in that day were the beer that I ordered at the start of the dinner. I mean, we won't get into that because we were just looking for anything at the rink that day. Uh, all they had was like Ruffles uh, Ruffles chips from the vending machine was an option, I guess, but I passed on that. Well, they had the concession, but... Every time we walked past it, it was packed because yeah. there were lots of people in the building and they were being served food. Uh, you and Quads, props to you guys because you took that information, you processed it well, and then on Friday, mm. you stopped at Tim Hortons on the way and you brought a dozen donuts. So yep. nicely done uh, among the media set camp MVPs, I think, for providing donuts on day number two. And some people 
saw that. I believe Rob tweeted it out, and some people were saying, "What's up with the honey crullers?" We had four honey crullers, and then they said, "That's way too many." What's your what's your go to at Tim Hortons? Well, and Quads called me on it because uh, I opened the box, and visually, the dozen donuts not the most appealing looking. <laughs> it was a lot of brown and a lot of sort of beige looking donuts, and I said, "Where are the sprinkles?" And then Quadrelli was like, oh, sure, Patterson complaining about the donuts now. Like, nothing is good enough for this guy. And it wasn't really a complaint because I appreciated the donuts and I certainly took part in in consuming the donuts. But, yeah, I wanted a little more color to my uh, – I'm an apple fritter guy. If, if, uh, like, yeah, yeah if good I, call. Yeah, that's my donut. Well, the funny thing was I'm sitting there at the end of the, the media booth and I hear from, from down the hall or down the way there where the donuts are, I hear, where's the sprinkles? <laughs> Jeff, Jeff was just <laughs> looking for some sprinkles. You know my trick for getting the best? Because you normally you go in, you order the 12 donuts, you get the assorted kind. Yeah. My trick is tell them that you're going to a child's birthday party and they will give you the best. You don't get the old-fashioned, the kind of right. you know crappier donuts. They'll give you... You know, the long john with the, the sprinkles, like you would like, Jeff, of course. Yeah. And, and I think that's my little trick. So for everyone here on the YouTube or everyone listening nice. on the podcast, little trick there. Say so you're sure, going to and let the record show that it, I didn't want a sprinkled donut. I just wanted the color. Right. I wanted to open that box and be sort of blown away by a variety. So I had to settle for Casey DeSmith's goaltending equipment, essentially, to provide <laughs> the, the color palette I was looking for at training camp in Victoria. We've got a commenter in here in the YouTube, in all caps, saying, nobody said you needed to eat one, Jeff. That's David Quadrelli in the uh, YouTube chat. I've heard here. of him, yes. So, <laughs> uh, excellent stuff. Training camp was a blast. It was nice to get back down there. So good to be at the rink. I swear there's something about the smell. At the, you know, in the month of September, getting back in the rink. And, and what did you think of just how... Victoria was able to host that because we saw a lot of people when we were coming in and out of the ring, a lot of people excited to see us and chat about the content that we like to put out. So all that stuff was great. How do you think Victoria was as a destination for training camp? Because we saw it back in 2019 as well. Right. And so I thought they did a nice job four years ago. And here they, you know, they had that as a baseline now. It's a, it's a good junior hockey facility. They don't build bad junior hockey rinks uh, in this day and age. So home of the Victoria Royals. And it's got everything that the Canucks are looking for. And I, I thought uh, the turnout was terrific in the first couple of days and really was blown away on Saturday. I mean, the scrimmage was 10.30, and you knew that the scrimmage would sort of be the highlight for a lot of the, the spectators. Again, the scrimmage at 10.30 on Saturday. I rolled in at around 9.30, and they were lined up probably 40 deep to get into the building. It wasn't capacity crowd, but certainly a handful of thousands of people in there to get a look at uh, the Canucks and lots of hockey fans on the island. Uh, you would know that uh, having been one uh, in your formative years. And, you know, I think it's great. I mean, the Canucks can take training camp. Abbotsford a couple of years ago, Whistler last year, Victoria. Don't know where they'll go next year. Um, but, I, you know, they are the province's brand. They're the Vancouver Canucks. But Jim Rutherford talked about that last week as well when he was asked, because a lot of teams now, they don't take their training camp out of their home base and the Canucks still try to move it around because they know that they've got lots of fans around the province of British Columbia. So I thought Victoria was a great host city. Uh, for the Canucks, they stay right downtown at the Empress. Everything's there in the Inner Harbor. Uh, so I think the players are pretty happy with the setup, and it's short and sweet. I mean, you guys went in Wednesday. I went first thing Thursday, and we came home on Saturday, but felt like we covered a fair bit of ground in terms of those first two days of you know just drilling down on systems and structure and then they throw the players and they throw the fans a bone with the scrimmage on Saturday. And I think we all wanted to see special teams as well. And they did that after the scrimmage. And even that was uh, kind of fun just because uh, you don't normally see in special, the first look at special teams of a training camp, 
one of the biggest guys and one of the smallest guys in camp getting into it, but uh, Dakota <laughs> Joshua and Connor Garland in a special teams drill uh, had to be separated at one point. So it just speaks to the competitive nature of camp and the competitive nature of those guys, particularly Garland, who isn't going to back down ever, even if it's uh, you know day three of training camp. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought for the most part the Canucks uh, accomplished a fair bit. And then in saying that... <laughs> They go to Calgary and get swamped ten nothing. So, how much ultimately did they accomplish uh, in their days in Victoria training camp? Yeah, I don't think that there was an accomplishment set up on the board to get double digits put up on you in that first preseason game. But how do you kind of look at a game like that, Jeff, and take away anything? Like I, we we kind of brushed past a little bit yesterday, and I think the things that we wanted to move forward with where, okay, the players that were in the lineup that night didn't have enough pushback, right? And I think we knew they were going to lose. We knew that it was going to be probably a pretty lobsided game. I don't think anyone was predicting it to be 10 nothing. Like, how? what does that mean you, you to You don't see double digits in the National Hockey League, even in the preseason, uh, very often these days. And so, look, it was a stain on the organization. Less than a week earlier, Jim Rutherford says, this is a playoff team if everything goes right. Mm. And their first preseason game, they get torched 10 nothing. And again, that game doesn't count in the standings, and it wasn't many NHLers, but it's the Canucks uniform. It's their crest. It's their shield. Like, it was a stain on the organization. And, you know, no real surprise after a day off Monday, Rick Tockett's conducting a practice out at UBC on Tuesday with an NHL group. Like, I think it was absolutely alarm bells internally. Like, it's time to get down to business. So I'll be curious to see if it impacts the way that they move forward here you've got five preseason games remaining but by the end of the night thursday you're halfway through the preseason like that'll be three down and three to go so uh yeah again it doesn't count in the standings they can scrub it from their memory bank but it happens certainly and just in terms of uh, you know should they advise a slightly better lineup yeah probably in hindsight but at the same time like it's an evaluation tool and the guys that they rolled out there I, it was not a good night for most of them in terms of matching up against primarily NHLers on the other side in Calgary. And so, you know, it, it, make no mistake, there's still an evaluation mm-hmm. benefit to the organization in terms of the performances of Jet Wu and Jack Rathbone and Noah Juleson and all these guys that, you know, they still think that they're in a fight for a fringe spot on this roster. And, you know, with that kind of performance, uh, nobody can be feeling very good about themselves. When you talk about pushback, a little disappointed. I mentioned Dakota Joshua earlier. You know, he's getting into it with Connor Garland. When his team goes down 2 nothing early and then it's 4 nothing. okay, at that point, the result's not a big deal. Like, nobody needed them to win that hockey game. But as one of the veterans and one of the regulars in the lineup, I would have liked to have seen him. And we know that, you know, he's a guy that Rick Tockett took a shine to last year, talked him up, at one point told me that he thinks Joshua can be a 20-goal scorer mm-hmm. in the National Hockey League. Joshua's not going to be in the NHL if he doesn't stick to what got him there, and that is being big, physical, using his size. The goals, those are gravy. I would have liked to have seen... And he didn't need to fight, but I'm saying, like, you know, finish a check, sort of not only show the flames, but show the younger guys on your bench that there's still 40 minutes left in this game. Like, we're not rolling over, not going to just go quietly. And so he was one of the ones that I was disappointed in. I know that a lot's been made in the market of Vasily Colson. Let's be honest, that was a disappointing performance from Pod Colson after getting the opportunity to skate with Miller and Besser through the first couple of days of training camp. Like, his confidence should have been sky high. He said it was when we talked to him in Victoria, and then just nowhere to be seen. And he can't, at this stage, Vasily Pod Colson ha- cannot have nights where he's simply wearing a uniform. And that's what he did on Sunday. Like, there was no tangible takeaway. 
he can't have nights like that. Like, Hoaglander got in, the big hit on Gilbert. Where's Pod Colson to do something like that? So, yeah, I'm with you. Again, I didn't need them to turn it into, like, brawl night at the Saddle Dome, but uh, I think there are ways that you can indicate that you're in the battle, and there weren't many guys that were in the battle on Sunday night. It's a great way to put it like that, to just stay in the battle with the group. Listen, you're the lower quality group of NHLers or AHLers or just professional hockey players, yeah. I guess, at that point, because it was somewhat of a mix. And I look at the way that Matt Irwin stuck up early in the game. I said, okay, they're going to send a message at least early in the game here, watching Irwin stick up when Huglander took that hit. You mentioned the hit there from Niels Huglander in the game on Gilbert as well. Like, those are the type of moments where you can look back at the game and say, okay, at least there's a positive. Because, listen, a 10-0 game, I, I saw the comment here from Tim Jones. I projected a, I predicted a 12-2 score pregame. <laughs> Nailed the spread, Tim. Excellent job on that. But it is just about, to me, with a lineup like that, it's not necessarily about watching all 17 minutes of Vasily Pod Colson's ice time and thinking, gosh, like he's got to be better. To me, it's like make the moments that we look back at. Because the first thing that you kind of brought up there and you're talking about it was like, the hit from Huglander. We saw the the matter when I just mentioned dropping the gloves. We talked about, like, you know, Atu Ratu had a lot of talk about him previously, about the, the game that he had, about just, like, one little board battle where he looked, it was a nice play. So we're all just looking for moments in this game, and it felt like the goaltenders didn't really have any for the Vancouver Canucks throughout that game. But now you see them moving towards the game in Edmonton tomorrow, 6 o'clock. Let's get the lines up here, Aaron, because you mentioned it. What we saw on the ice today looked very close to what we will be seeing on the NHL opening night game for the Vancouver Canucks, except maybe a little bit of surprise playing alongside Quinn Hughes. So let's run through the lines, and uh, you know what, Jeff? Just jump in whenever there's something here that surprised you a little bit. And I think we actually will get you to jump in off the top. Ilya Mikheyev skated today, wore a red jersey, looks like a first-line red jersey. We were also later told... Now, that's a non-contact red jersey, so I don't know if the shade was a little bit different than uh, Niels Huglander. He had, little, he had a little pattern in his red jersey. Yeah. Because uh, if his red jersey was non-contact, that meant Elias Pettersson was wearing a similar, very similar uh, non-contact jersey. Uh, a couple of things. One is, like I, I think what we saw at UBC today was a bit of a reaction to what happened on Sunday. I don't for a second think the group that we saw skating today is the group that they're going to send to Edmonton. Mm. I think this was Rick Tockett wanting to get his NHL group together for a practice to start to really drill down. They made some more roster moves today, so they are starting to pare down in numbers. And it's difficult. And Tockett talked about it in Victoria. When you've got close to 60 guys, I mean, you can't watch everybody. You can't always put them in the positions that you want. So I think he wants to have some NHL practices here but I do think that they will sprinkle some players in uh, to... And they've got back-to-back games as well, right. Wednesday and Thursday. So they're not going to run out the same lineup. Both on the road as well. You should yeah. yeah. So I, I think you have to sort of compartmentalize what they're doing. That Tockett values his practice time with his NHL group. And I do think you're going to see some of those guys go to Edmonton. But you know, I, I think Archie Baines has earned an opportunity to play a, a preseason game. Uh, you know, There are other guys that haven't yet that weren't part of the game on Sunday. So uh, we'll have to wait probably until tomorrow to get a better read on the lineup. But as far as what we saw, yeah, I showed up at UBC. McKay was out there, and I thought, wow, like, you know, he from personal leave and not being in Victoria and then coming back and, and skating on the weekend, but nobody saw him with their own eyes, um, for him to be out there. And, and one of the first things I noticed, because Kuzmenko hadn't been on the ice yet, so I was like, wow, is Kuzmenko getting a day off? And he's wearing red with Pedersen and Hoaglander. Like, is he going to... You know, be in that spot. Now, let's just lay it out for people. Uh, 
Mikheyev was on the ice for about 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes. He really was the spare on that line. Mm-hmm. He didn't take part in a lot of line rushes. Uh, certainly wasn't a lot in the way of battle drills. He slotted in on occasion and then on his own seemed to sort of sense that he had had enough and just walked away and down the tunnel and that was it for him. We were told because it's a non-contact jersey, because he's not cleared yet, not available to the media. So requests were made to speak to him to get a better sense of where he is in all of this and you know, might he be ready for opening night? Still haven't heard from Ilya Mikheyev, so going to have to wait on that front. But, uh, I mean, it, it, it's a good new sign that he's around the team, and it's probably good for him to just share the ice with his teammates. But my takeaway from today was uh, I don't know that we're going to see him in a preseason game, and I'm not convinced at this stage that he's going to be ready for October 11th. Yeah, we saw him ha- at least go into a... I would say semi-full stride at times. Yep, like It's not yep. like he was limiting himself no. from open ice, but there were a lot of the drills that we saw later on in practice where it was uh, a dump and chase and then quickly back to a fenceman. A lot of these cutting moves kind of felt like he was avoiding a little bit of those drills. And yeah, like he moved around. I didn't think there was any times where anything looked like it limited him, but this, is, this was a guy who was not going around 100% for sure. And you could say the non-contact jersey. That's what we were told. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did want to get to a comment because uh, Vasily Podkolzin was not in that group there. And this is from Sterling. Pure speculation, but Pods just had his first kid. Newborns are tough. I'm going to give him a pass and some time to settle in being a new dad. Sleep is very scarce in that situation. He'll be all right. Any That's thoughts? That's fine. I mean, I've seen other people do that. Mm-hmm. And it does feel like the market wants to continue to give him passes here. And people want him to succeed. Like, I, I, I get that. I mean, he was a 10th overall pick. He has to be a success for the Canucks. Right. Uh, but... I don't think his wife and baby were in Victoria. He probably had the best sleeps of uh, you know, uh, the baby's life. And then into Calgary, like it comes with the territory. A lot of these guys are dads. We learned today Phil Giuseppe is a new dad as well. So uh, Pat Colson's young to be a dad, but you're being paid to be a professional hockey player. You have to you know, be ready when the puck drops. And it just it wasn't a great night for him. And, and it was noticeable that he wasn't part of... There were, I think there were four guys that played in Calgary that were... On the ice, Hoaglander was one of them, McWard, um, P.S. Suter was at yep. practice today. I think there were four. Yep. But we talk about the fact that Pod Colson wasn't. What an opportunity for PDG, uh, who, you know, it's hard. It's two quick days of practice and then the scrimmage. But I thought DiGiuseppe did what you would expect from him through training camp, wins his battles, you know, hustles, uh, talk it likes the size that this guy brings. And then they have Sunday night and their first practice. There's PDG basically in Pod Colson's spot alongside Miller and Besser. And you have to think that that's something that Rick Tockett is going to like. You know, they don't do much by chance. Yes. Like everything is done for a reason at this level. And so if PDG's out there at practice with Besser and Miller, my sense is we're going to see that line in one of these two preseason games here in the next couple of nights. And I was there a little bit earlier with uh, Frank Saravalli was out there to do some one-on-ones. Should have some great stuff coming up on uh, Daily Faceoff. Be sure to check that out. Uh, I know he's got some one-on-ones with the GM, the coach. I think Thatcher Demko as well. So some good stuff coming from Frank. Uh, but we saw Di Giuseppe and Miller working with both uh, it was Breezebois and Tyler Myers a little bit earlier with both the goaltenders as well. They were doing some tip trails and type of things. So you, you know PDG fits in well with this group. The guys really like him. It's the same thing I've heard from Abbotsford. PDG was one of the, the, the room's favorite guys to deal with. Uh, and he's a player that plays a little bit of a different style. You have two great shooters there with JT Miller and Brock Besser. That fit with PDG, it's like you got to go out there 
and do what you've done to be successful in the NHL because he he's a completely different player in the AHL. He's a star. He is the first line scorer. He is the shooter of that line. But he has the ability, and we've seen it in his time in New York, and I think his time under Rick Talkett as well, where forechecking, making good plays, getting the puck out of your own zone, just little passes in the offensive zone, extending offensive possessions, all these type of things are the stuff that you want as a line mate for JT Miller and Brock Besser. So I, I see a reaction on social media when the lines are going out, whether it's you, myself, or Batch tweeting them out. Right. Everyone's saying, get PDG off that line. That's something that Rick talked I don't know if he's going to do. He likes this player, and I think for all of those things that PDG has success with, with the forechecking, what I just mentioned there, do you like the fit there, or do you think that that is you're kind of only there because Vasily Podkolzin didn't show well in that first pregame? Well, and I've said through the offseason as I've tried to figure out line combinations here without knowing Mikheyev's status, mm. I, I think Ilya Mikheyev is best suited in that spot because, let's be honest, we know it was a struggle for Brock last year defensively. JT Miller is likely to get used in the matchup role. If it's the matchup role, I can see some value in a guy like Phil DiGiuseppe. You know, big body, uh, conscientious, uh, plays the way that Tockett wants him to play. But let's be honest here. If this team is moving forward, if this organization is taking strides, is Phil DiGiuseppe in your top six? Mm. You know, that to me does raise some red flags. So, again, I think that's where Eli Mikheyev probably is best suited. And then you go with the top line of Pedersen, Kuzmenko, and right now it's Oglander. Uh, Beauvillier obviously spent some time there last season. Uh, you know, and that's what preseason is for, to sort of figure out some fits. Like, I was surprised in Victoria... On the first day when I saw Beauvillier out with Teddy Bluger and PDG, and I thought that's a little lower in the lineup than I was expecting mm. for Anthony Beauvillier. But again, I think they have a sense of what he is and, and what he can contribute. And if some of these other guys don't show well higher in the lineup, I think they're, that's a guy that they know can slot back in there and can provide them some offense. So, uh, you know, there's not a lot of worry around a guy like Anthony Beauvillier. Um, I'm not personally not a, like if they're trying to optimize this lineup and I don't want this to sound like a knock on Phil Giuseppe because I, I admire guys that understand what they are and stay in the national hockey league. And uh, you know, I think that there is a role here. The fact that he was one of the first penalty killers out when they did uh, some PK work, that's a, a tell that, you know, they probably are at least as a 13th forward, at the very least uh, considering him on the big league roster, but to see him in a top six role as this team tries to make strides, I'm not sure that that's, you know, sits so well with me. But again, it's the first week of preseason. I have no problems with them trying. And we know that, you know, Brock Besser is a guy that needs people to get him the puck, right? Like he doesn't make things happen generally on his own. And if DiGiuseppe can get in and separate guys, get the puck to JT Miller, Miller can be the playmaker, then that's sort of the recipe, I think, for success for that line. And it's it's interesting because it felt like PDG didn't really get his shot was it all the way up until Rick Tockett even got here? Like, I think he might have gotten a game or two or a handful in with Bruce Boudreau before he was let go. But, like, the whole 2022-23 season, he's in Abbotsford. Um, he was or, the sorry. star of that camp two years ago exactly. where we all thought he had made the hockey camp. Yeah, he stole the job from Will Lockwood as our, our favorite guy from camp. And, and, yeah, 42 games in Abbotsford in the 2021-22 season. No NHL games. Comes in, gets 30 games last year. I think all of them under Rick Tockett, I believe, I so. as well. Like. I know that there's something in, in PDG's game that Talkit really likes, and I just think it's it's like the thing that that Talkit likes about PDG is what we want to see from Vasily Podkolzin and Niels Huglander because it feels like 
there's a group of guys right now, and I'm talking kind of like the Beauvillier, the Niels Huglander, the Vasily Pod Colson. You know, you could maybe throw Connor Garland into this mix, but it's kind of these guys who don't feel like top six players unless you're in a pinch. And I think this Canucks team has enough depth on the wing that you could feel like you should be able to get four wingers to surround JT Miller and Elias Patterson with where you don't feel like it's a pinch. Right. And I just think they're missing that guy. Like, they, you feel good about Brock Besser. You feel good about Andre Kuzmenko. If Mikheyev's healthy, you start to feel pretty good about him. Who's the next winger that you feel comfortable as a top six that isn't in a pinch? Like, that's why we're seeing Niels Huglander get the opportunity. He's not a for-sure top six player right now in the NHL. Phil Giuseppe, don't think he's a for-sure top six player in the NHL right now. It's To me, it's strange. They have so many middle six, bottom six yes. wingers that you're like, yeah. hey, this, like, and we, I saw the comment earlier. Someone said, that third line, I feel really good about that third line. It's like, yeah, but that's because you have so many of these third line type of players on Stanley Cup contending teams, right? And the Canucks are just, it's weird because we talk about how much how much they have on the wings, and then it's like, but you can't feel super confident about your top six, especially when there's an injury now to Ilya Mikheyev, and I know he's coming back, so we'll see what happens there, but... Without Mikheyev, you're kind of needing to fill two spots in a top six with wingers on a team that, how often do we talk about how many damn wingers they have? Yeah. And Tanner Pearson's not here anymore, right? Like exactly. a week ago, he was, <laughs> we were all wondering how did he slot in and what was he going to look like? And they sort of took that storyline away from us. You know, and we haven't talked about Connor Garland, who basically has been glued to Pia Suter so mm. far uh, and was again today out at practice. And and so it does come back to duos. And we talking talked about that in Victoria but at some point, those duos need another piece, and you're right. So I'm not sure that through three days of training camp and one preseason game that we're really a whole lot further ahead in trying to figure out what this coaching staff is looking at because in Victoria, like I like the idea of Bluger with PDG and Beauvillier, and I thought that line actually I mean, produced right. the one goal for the losing team in the scrimmage. Bluger scored it, but... The other guys got in on the forecheck, you know, turned a puck over, and Teddy Bluger was there and, and able to capitalize. And I thought, okay, like I can see that being a line that Rick Tockett wants to look at. And then today, Bovillier was out there with Garland and Suter at practice. So a bit of a different look in that regard. And, um, you know, again, back-to-back. I'm curious to see what Tockett does uh, with back-to-back games. How many guys? Because, again, in preseason, like that's a challenge, too, for some young players is, all right, you can be good on a few days rest, Let's see what you look like. The NHL schedule is a beast. It's a marathon. You get back-to-backs. And I think part of the evaluation tool in the preseason is, remember, like was it last year that Rathbone played all? Yeah. Like, he played everything. They just kept running him out there. And he was playing reasonably well. And it was almost like the organization wanted to see if there was going to be a drop-off somewhere along the line. But I always believe as a player, if your number's on the board in the preseason, like, that's a good thing. Like, you want the opportunity. Because if you're not playing, guess what? Somebody else is, and they're getting put their best foot forward, and you're sitting there in the press box, or you're not on that road trip. So uh, it may feel like a grind if the organization asks you to play each and every night, but I think as a player, you want to play, and you want the opportunity to show what you can do. And certainly I would think like anybody that was in uniform on Sunday would die to get the chance to play again right. on Wednesday, right? Like to show that that was an aberration, that mm-hmm. everything that went wrong or could go wrong did go wrong and the guys individually and collectively are better than they showed against the Flames on Sunday night. Yeah, I'll say any player wants to get into the lineup 
I don't know if the goalies would give a run over on what they did on Sunday again. Fair Archer Shilovs might take a pass on that one. Uh, but They should have got him out of there, I yeah. thought, a little bit earlier. But the goals came quickly in that of second course, period. Yeah. It was time. By seven, it was time to get Artie out of there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Ian Clark loved that one. Uh, one thing I wanted to get to, and we had the lineup there up. Do you expect to see Cole McWard and Quinn Hughes pairing? Because we saw that today at the skate. I expect to see that either tomorrow or Thursday in Seattle. I don't think you put them together for a full practice. And this was a good practice today. This was a a practice that saw a lot before, a lot after. Guys were on the rink a good 30 minutes at least after the practice there. Uh, Kind of just avoiding us in the media, I think. But uh, I think we're going to see that pairing at least get a preseason game here. And I think that's the question that we've all had with Quinn Hughes is, Who's going to be the, like, who is the guy who's going to take the job? I would be very surprised if it ends up being Cole McWard, but I won't be surprised to see one of these next two games have that pairing together for no, a preseason I agree game. with you, and as I said, they, nothing's by chance here. So I, I think that pairing will get an opportunity. And and look, like, training camp started, Noah Juleson with Quinn Hughes on the first day, and we were all like, wow, it's Noah Juleson. <laughs> and then we know what happened without Quinn Hughes to Noah Juleson the other night. He's still looking for his jock on that one goal uh, by Jonathan Huberdeau. Uh, and then... You know, Carson Soucy at the scrimmage was given an opportunity. And let's be honest, it did not go particularly well for Carson Soucy. And remember, Carson Soucy was a third-pairing guy in Seattle. And I still think the jury is out. Like, you know, he was a good third-pairing guy, but that's the danger. You see, and they did this with Tyler Myers. They did it with Tucker Pullman. They see these guys lower in the lineup elsewhere, and they think, hey, you know, let's give him an opportunity. That's what he needs. And... And I, I still need to be convinced that Carson Soucy can handle a bigger workload. And then to move him to his offside as a pair of lefties and talk, it's gone on at length about how much he wants the lefty righty. And so I thought it was a struggle for Carson Soucy to go back and retrieve pucks. And uh, again, it was just a scrimmage, but it was fairly high intensity scrimmage. And there was some pressure on the forecheck and those types of things. I didn't think that Carson Soucy was a standout in the scrimmage. So, you know, now it's on to, like, is that experiment over? Like, because I, I guess I thought that that might be the way that they start the season, but I wonder if, even for one scrimmage, they've seen enough. Whatever the case, Cole McWard, great opportunity for him. I don't know about you, like, I'm still trying to figure out, he's so young, really, when you think, I mean, he's two years at college and then turns pro. I thought he had a decent young stars and didn't look out of place uh, with the big boys at main camp, and now getting this opportunity, and obviously a right-shot guy. The thing that jumped out at me again today, watching at practice, is how thin they are on that right side. And if injury happens, and injury inevitably happens, and you know so many people have already tried to run Tyler Myers out of town, you got Philip Ronick and Tyler Myers are your natural righties. Then they're trying to convert a left-handed guy to the right side. But if there's an injury somewhere along the line, like, yeah. you know, Jet Wu didn't look ready for prime time with his performance the other night. But, you know, he might be the next up, or perhaps it's a Cole McWard with all the five games of NHL experience. But, you know, McWard was just beaming after when we did talk to him. Like, <laughs> what an opportunity. You see your name on the board is alongside Quinn Hughes, and you know that it's open auditions right now. Uh, I'm really curious to see what he can do with it. But, I again, I'm still trying to get the read on, on Cole McWhorter because he skates well, got decent size. Yeah, he probably still needs to fill out to, to defend and, and handle, uh, you know, the, the pressure of big bodies in the National Hockey League. But he's kind of rangy, right? He's, yeah. he's wiry. Uh, I know he had some offense at Ohio State, but I don't think he profiles necessarily as a big offensive guy as a pro. So there's still a fair bit about Cole McWhorter, but just – in the raw product they've got right now, like he's intriguing to me. I think 
there's five defensemen. I wrote them down here. I wanted to dive into this a little bit. The five defensemen who kind of have to just show something throughout this preseason. It could just be a moment. It may not require a full game of you being excellent, just depending on the, the competition that you're facing off against. Or maybe you're just getting a battle where, listen, maybe you're on an AHL-looking roster and you're playing against a top line of the Calgary Flames. And look, Akito Hirose had it tough, right? He's getting the tough yeah. matchups against Jonathan Huberdeau and Nazem Kadri. these guys. It's tough. I The guys that I'm watching this year, and I think the first two names are the battle for the third pairing left shot defenseman. It's Guillaume Brisebois and Christian Wallanen. Those are the two for me that I'm watching very closely throughout preseason to see how they fit as guys that are in a battle right now for that spot. Jet Wu, Jack Rathbone, Akita Hirose are the other three names. Out of those five names, who do you think has the most to show and the most to gain from showing well to a coaching staff right now? Because you brought up the right side. I only have one right shot defenseman on this list, and that's Jet Wu. But Jack Rathbone's got to do something. Akito Hirose, I know a lot of people were kind of projecting him as that third-pairing guy. I've I've been saying all offseason, I don't think it's his job to win. I think he's a guy who needs pro experience. I almost put Cole McWard into that same boat of he just had such a small taste of pro hockey, and it was the NHL. This guy's got a lot of developing to do still, and I think the AHL is starting to become a very good spot for that with everything that they've got going on down there. I mean, the Sedins being out there on the ice with them every single practice is huge. Jeremy Colleton is, is making a massive impact down there as well, and Jeff Ulmer, the skills coach down there, they love what he does, as well as Mackenzie Braid, skating coach. Like, the Abbotsford group is there to develop a player, so I don't really put Akita Hirose and Cole McWard in that same conversation. To me, it's Breezebois, Willannon, Wu, and Rathbone. Which do you think has the most to gain from a good preseason performance here? Look, I know for the longest time he had become a punchline in this market, right? Breezebois! <laughs> and go back to, you know, young stars. And that was the when asked, like, who had stood out. And John Weisbrod, that was the first name out of his out of his mouth. And that's kind of where the joke came from. I don't think there's a joke here. Like, Guillaume Breezebois was paired with Tyler Myers through camp. Every day. And... Actually, I thought that pairing played pretty well in the in the uh, scrimmage game. And again, it's just a scrimmage. But for people that weren't there to see it with their own eyes, you know, he's never going to be flashy, right? But I think at this stage of his career, and he's been in this organization now seemingly forever. Go back to the, I mean, he and Thatcher Demko drafted in that in 2014. They're the longest serving members, active members. I mean, Brock Besser's played more games than anybody on the roster right now. But uh, those other two predate him in terms of joining the organization. I think Breezebaugh has just taken a long time to sort of come into his own and figure out what he is. But I think they like low maintenance, kind of plug and play. And the fact that he was given an NHL partner in Tyler Myers from day one, again, not by accident. And I think for as much, and I, look, I, I liked everything that I saw from Akito Hiroshi last year. And I liked what I saw from him on Sunday night when, yes, and good work by Daniel Wagner to, uh, review the game film to figure out that uh, even though the box score showed that he wasn't on the ice, he was on the ice for the one goal, but it was the Juleson giveaway that uh, wound up on the stick of Coronado. So certainly not guilty uh, of any offenses on that play. But um, Akito Hiroshi, you know, he joined this team. He played seven games down the stretch. Remember, like, they played Anaheim. They finished in Arizona. Those games did not mean an awful lot. It was so, two playoff teams in the right, seven Right, like LA yeah. and Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think even at sort of his advanced age as a prospect, he could benefit from you know, playing every night and playing a lot uh, in the American Hockey League and being ready for a call-up. But when you think of his limited pro experience, Christian Wolanin has played the equivalent of a full season in the National Hockey League. He's up over 82 games now uh, at the NHL level. 
And he's also the American Hockey League, the reigning American Hockey League defender of the year, playing half a year down in Abbotsford. Like, I think people sort of discount that. Like, to me, Christian Wolanin is ahead of Akito Hiroshi on this depth chart. And proof of that was this practice today. Both Brisebois and Wolanin were included in this NHL group. And yeah. so, you know, that's that you have to take that into consideration. So, uh, you know, Brisebois is not flashy, he's not going to excite a lot of people. Uh, but I think they like sort of that steady, calm, you know, he can. there's some penalty-killing utility in what he brings to the mix. Well, Lannan, obviously, we saw on Saturday when they ran penal, uh, special teams, well, Lannan and Hoaglander kind of swapped in and out on that second unit where, you know, if they wanted to go with four forwards, it was Hoaglander. If they wanted a two-defenseman set, then it was Lannan along with Philip Hironik. And again, you know, these are just little tells, but things that you have to consider and look at uh, with the way the Canucks are operating here early in training camp in the preseason. So I would say just from all of the evidence that's been presented over the last week that Brisebois and Wolanin are ahead. They have separated themselves from those other guys that we talked about. And it's it's something that I saw in the AHL, of course. There's a certain thing that a player does in the AHL to me that looks like they're NHL ready. There's one thing, and it's if they're ahead of the plate, if they are ahead of everybody in the plate. It's something I think... Why Atu Ratu, though he's been given some NHL games, the reason why he's not sticking is when he's playing in the AHL, he's behind the play. He's not in the right spot at the right times. Well, Lannan was always ahead of the play. You could see it in the AHL. Okay, he's just too good for this league. I know that like the first guy I remember seeing this when I started watching was Zach McEwen. Zach McEwen was always ahead of the play in the AHL. He was always there when you were like, oh, there could have had a scoring chance here if this guy was in the right spot. He was always there. He was always there. Christian Wolanin, the reason he was getting so many points last year, always in the right spot to set up these guys, and just being ahead of the play was huge. I, I'm with well, I'm with you. Like I think Wolanin has the most to gain here because he's got a spot in the NHL lineup. I think Jet Wu has a lot to gain because he's. I mean, after that performance from Noah Juleson in the preseason game, this is one of the guys who you expect a little bit more. At least he's got a little bit more pro experience. Him and Matt Irwin were kind of the guys to look to for some actual pro experience here uh, in the NHL and AHL. But I think Jet Wu has a lot to gain of kind of moving up the depth chart when you look at Wolanin. He's got a lot to gain from not only moving up the depth chart, but actually playing on the opening night roster. So, as I mentioned, the opening night roster, I tasked you with putting together your defense cores for the opening night roster. We've got a graphic here, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, found an older picture of you as well. Oh, wow. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Do you remember this photo? This was the, this is the second one on Google, I think, searching you up here. So, uh, beyond the striped shirt, which yeah. I quite liked, actually. Yeah, it's, you could get away with that today. That got me through a number of rounds of golf. <laughs> that was taken on location at one of those uh, like children's hospital dream home I was doing yeah. like you know live on location for uh, team you can see the microphone <laughs> team flashes 1040. to team 1040 so we're going way back in the old uh, time machine there uh what a good looking guy though uh, yeah. back in my day uh, a little more contemporary over on the right side um and you asked me this earlier and then we go out to practice and of course everything's kind of uh, thrown into a blender so <laughs> right. context matters in that regard this is if but we I've were got, the coach but i've got christian willannon right so uh, again just from what i've seen i, I do think that christian willannon is going to break camp and, mm. and be on this team the carson Susie quinn hughes thing i'll be interested to see if they revisit that at some point they've got ian cole in their back pocket i guess uh, knowing that he can play both sides and has, but since day one of camp, Cole and Hironic have been absolutely in lockstep, and that tells me that that's uh, a pairing that they certainly are expecting to play together. And you, and, and let me just say this about Ian Cole. Uh, like, it's training camp, and so it's hard, and certainly those first two days. Like, I had lots of people, you probably did as well in your timeline, like, who stood out? You know, who's excelling? Right. There was no bag skate, so we couldn't see who was leading the pack and who was falling behind and who was dying in the corner and those types of things. Uh, it was just a lot of systems work. And I'm sure the coaches could tell you who was picking up things maybe faster than others, but, you know, just watching guys go, like, there weren't necessarily standouts as they're doing you know, neutral zone pressure and regroups and those types of things. So, you know, we were left to the scrimmage. But it just felt like every time I watched Ian Cole, just makes the right play. Just very simple. You can see the veteran savvy. And the other thing is, like, he's listed at 6'1", 225. And the first time that I talked to him out at UBC in those informal skates, like, he is, like, he's a big dude. Like, he's yeah. bigger than sort of I envision. Uh, compared to a guy like Philip Hronik, who, and I know it's been documented, sort of the body composition change that he went through in the diet and stuff in the offseason. But, I, I mean, it's all relative because they're all elite-level athletes. But, like, Hronik almost felt smallish to me compared yeah. to Ian Cole, who's just a, he's a big body. Like, I can see why Rick Tockett, uh, you know, will value what he brings in terms of the experience and everything else. But that pairing... Uh, to me, that almost feels like a lock, and then it's all the moving parts around them. Uh, you know, we haven't seen Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers, and quite frankly, I hope that they don't go down that road. Right. Um, and so, I think Myers is your third pairing guy on the right side, and then it's a question of who is he paired with. And and now it seems like maybe the most intriguing thing about this camp is so uh, who is going to break training camp in the preseason as the partner for Quinn Hughes. A couple of comments here on your shirt. Uh, Sterling Wilson says, is that Dollywall shirt? 
Uh, and Rinkwide Vancouver. There's no pineapples. It's not a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Rink, Rinkwide Vancouver, your uh, your home, has uh, chimed in as well. Says uh, we need to save that photo for you. So yeah, I'll send that your way, Grady. I think, right. or maybe I won't, Jeff. We'll see how the show well, goes. Apparently, for the rest it's here. the second most popular JPAD photo on <laughs> Google Images. Yeah, I mean, right behind flat JPAD, I think. Um, all right, let's get mine up here. I projected yeah. mine as well. And you know what? I, I think I've done this in the past because I I basically duplicated the graphic and threw a couple Jeffs into mine. Uh, but I I'm going with. Something a little bit similar, but I, I'm making a couple swaps here. I do think it's going to be Ian Cole. By the end of preseason, I think we are going to get to a stage where Carson Soucy isn't the guy, but he's the guy to round out your top four with Philip Peronic. I've thought about Carson Soucy being just kind of the number four and being a solid guy that you can trust in that role to be your number four defenseman. Philip Peronic's the guy who's going to drive that pairing. And having Susie be the secondary puck-moving option there, I think puts him in the best position to have success with a new team, especially on a guy that you've got for a few years now. And Ian Cole, like, I, I know people say, like, you know, Susie can play both sides. He can play both sides. When I looked at the numbers last year, 9% of the time, Carson Susie played on the right side. Ian Cole was closer to about 40%. I mean, this is a guy who has not only done it, but has some legitimate experience on the right side. So that's kind of where I'm going with Ian Cole. But you brought up a great point, like, Ian Cole and Phil Peronick are attached to the hip so far, throughout a lot yeah. of time so far. I'm curious to see when that swap happens, but I'm with you on the bottom pairing. Uh, Christian Willan and Tyler Myers. We did have a question asking, who's our seven and eight guys? So why don't we both give our seven and eights? Because we have the same six yep. players, no, different yep. different formations here, I guess. I will say this about Susie, and I watched closely, in the, and I talked about the fact that like he and Hughes together in that scrimmage, I didn't think, uh, it just didn't feel like it mm-hmm. worked all that well. Like his Puck skills. Like, I know he scored 10 goals in Seattle's inaugural season, and he's got a big shot in the offensive zone. But I'm talking puck skills in terms of if Quinn Hughes goes back for a puck and pressure's on, like, you'd love Quinn Hughes to shake the pressure and break it out himself. Right. But if he has to go D to D, all of a sudden you got Carson Soucy playing on his offhand, and I thought he struggled to take passes cleanly. And at this level, like, if you fumble for a split second, the pressure's on you, and before you know it, you're pinned, and the puck's been turned over, and those types of things. So I want to continue to watch through the preseason when he plays. I'm really curious about Carson Soucy's puck skills and puck movement in his own zone and ultimately breaking pucks out. And the the important thing there with the defenseman who's playing with Quinn Hughes is think about the, the forward lines that you're going up against. You're not going up against a fourth line that's going right. to grind out and just trying to funnel the puck towards the net. You have a turnover in your own zone. You're getting top six guys coming down on you, and they're going to be scoring goals. They're going to be scoring and capitalizing on those mistakes. So it's going to be interesting. And Susie with me, I mean, we saw him today skate with Tyler Myers. I tell you, that's one of the tallest pairs you'll see in the NHL. Yep. Maybe that's something that they like. Do they like a little bit of defensive kind of pairing there to round out the top four? And then my question would be like, if Susie and Myers kind of is your shutdown pairing, if that can become that, do we get to a point this preseason where we actually go down the road of seeing Quinn Hughes and Philip Peronic as a pairing? I'd be okay for a game just to see what it looks like. I would like. love to and see I it for think, a full game. You know, people have, have suggested, certainly, if the Canucks are trailing in hockey games and you want to turbo boost your offense and you need to catch up, then I think you will see Philip Peronic and Quinn Hughes get some shifts together and try to drive play and keep it in the offensive zone and, and all those things. And I get that, and that's a valuable tool. So if you're Rick Tockett and the coaching staff, why wouldn't you take a look at that you know, in a game or maybe even for a game here? I'll be curious to see, as we said, back-to-back games, that gets you halfway through the preseason. And then they've got three home games, although one of them's out in Abbotsford, but there'll be lots of practice time. They don't have to get back on a flight until they're you know headed to Edmonton for the second game of the season. So they're going to have 
uh, a ton of practice time. And even then, like, you know, the first back-to-backs are when they get off that Eastern road trip. Like, that's really valuable for the coaches that, you know, back-to-backs almost a guarantee to give guys the day off following consecutive games, but they don't have that. So even when they're out on the road, I think that they're going to be able to get more practice time in than they have had uh, in years gone by. And so that's a a good thing for a coaching staff. And, um, you know, so uh, through the preseason, yeah, absolutely, experiment. If they want to try Hughes and Ronick together for a game, I'd be all for it. I'd be curious to see what that looks like. Um, But... Boy, just I'm kind of shuddering at the mention of Susie and Myers as the shutdown pair <laughs> for the Vancouver Canucks. Ah, give it to me in the preseason for one game. Well, and happens. also we know how much Stockett loved Vegas. You know, the big Redwoods on defense. Yeah, that's and true. Of course, it seemed to work for Vegas. I guess you could use Ian Cole and Carson Susie as well, right? Like you could keep Tyler Myers as your third pairing in that role. I, I just, I, I just think I, I wonder when we get to the point the preseason where we do see the first even if it's just a shift of Peronic and Hughes because that is something that we all expect to see you mentioned when they're trailing by you know 10 minutes late in the game you're going to see that pairing five six seven eight nine minutes potentially at times when you're trailing I wonder when we do get to see it I guess and I think it'll be coming soon to get to the question about seven and eight Mm -hmm. and we're having enough trouble figuring out the top six (laughs) um you know I think some of this is roster related too are they going to be able to keep 23 when they set their roster. And remember, they open at home, but then they're on the road for five straight going to as far as Tampa and Florida. I think that they're going to want some extra bodies. It's like, I think you're running the risk if you, I mean, injuries happen. Let's, so who you got? 7-8? Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Brisebois is the fourth left-handed guy. Mm-hmm. Well, I say left-handed guy, but fourth on the left side. Sure. And that's where I come back to how thin they are on the right. And yeah. I want it to work for Jet Wu. And I want to believe that Jet Wu is going to play some NHL games. But, boy, you saw the other night, and it just felt like such a, a step back. And, um, you know, Noah Jolson is in that mix. And that's why a guy like Cole McWard has to see this as a massive opportunity because it is. And I do think that there's a world in which if he continues to progress, you know, he could break camp on the opening night roster. So... But my concern is just sort of big picture over 82 games that uh, if there is any sort of injury on that right side, sure, you've got some lefties that can cross over, but there just isn't a ton of depth on that right side. And a guy like Philip Johansson, who we haven't even mentioned, I, I just think, you know, he didn't stand out at Young Stars. I didn't really notice yeah, him at the training camp. Stars. He needs some time to adapt to the North American rink. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just think he's destined to to spend most of the season in Abbotsford. Yeah, I'm with you there. We see uh, some interesting comments here as a 7-8. Erwin uh, and Juleson, potentially. I mean, you go with the veterans, I guess, at that point. Maybe give the young guys some time. There are some waivers that you're going to have to worry about at that point. Uh, I don't think you're losing Juleson or Erwin on waiver. Maybe a team likes Erwin, but, I, I mean, I don't think so. I think you're finding a better guy out there. Um, I did want to get to something that was said that we missed. We had to run here and do the show real quick. I don't know if you saw this, because I just saw this pop about 20 minutes ago, of Rick Tockett speaking about Dakota Joshua. Uh, And Harmon had the tweet. Let's pull this up. I'm just going to read this on air. Uh, So this is Rick Tockett talking about Dakota Joshua from Harmon Dial has the tweet. Harm will be here on Monday, by the way, uh, co-hosting. Dakota, he's got to pick it up. I'm not going to get into other factors, but he's got to try to win a job. The job's not there. There's guys breathing down that want jobs. That's Rick Tockett speaking about Dakota Joshua, who was not skating with what looked like pretty much the NHL roster today. I found that interesting on 
Tockett said a lot of very positive things about Dakota Joshua, and he's giving him the carrot. He's giving him the carrot. Gave him the stick here a little bit today, talking to the media. And I'm not surprised. I mean, this is the first time that uh, the media here has had a chance to talk. I mean, Tockett did, what, 90 seconds after the game and, you know, tried to kind of joke about Sean Payton as well. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And so he's had a day and a half or whatever it is to sort of, you know, process it all. But this was the first time to answer some questions. And I said it earlier. Like, Dakota Joshua was one of the kind of, like, there were other guys that people wanted to see more from, like, Pod Colson the other night. But Mm -hmm. just in terms of players with NHL pedigree in that lineup, and when things start going sideways, like, I thought, I, I expected more. I mean, he's a big body. He can't forget what got him to the National Hockey League. And if he thinks that he's out there... You know, to put on a puck skills showcase that that's not like sure you want some offense from Dakota Joshua, but he's got to be physical. He be a Rick Tockett guy, right? He's got to be that. Tockett talked him up so much down the stretch last year and talked about how you know a few more seasons like this, that's what's going to pay the mortgage for Dakota Joshua, <laughs> meaning that he'll get paid if he continues to play like he did when he was at the top of his game last year. So you know, hey, a little bit of sugar, and now it's like the. You know, pat on the back, pat on the back, pat on the back, now a kick in the butt, and let's see how he responds. But, yeah, I mean, I thought Sunday was a, a highly disappointing performance for Dakota Joshua in ways that were different than the disappointment of a Vasily Pod Colson. True. I mean, if I'm Dakota Joshua, I'm, I'm begging to get into that game tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm getting in there and making an impact right off the bat in a similar way to the guys that, I, I mean, almost in the same way to like the Matt Irwin. Right, like the way that he started the game, and you know, I tweeted out at the time. I said, "I'm I'm in the Matt Irwin fan club." I was when I was younger, of course, sure. in the Nile yeah. Clipper. Uh, but I think Joshua, yeah, seeing that quote, interesting one there. Uh, and we'll see what happens with tomorrow's lineup. We're expecting much more NHL players in that lineup for the Vancouver Canucks, as they have two road games here on back-to-back nights. We're going to see some NHL players scattered throughout. These will be better lineups than we saw on Sunday, that's for sure. Uh, we're going to skip the coaching staff impact. Save that for tomorrow. We've got a little bit. Uh, deep on time here. So I'm just going to run through the poll question. Can we get it up here, uh, Aaron? Poll question. We're going to uh, double skip uh, right to the poll brought to you by the great folks at Atlas Goods, Atlas GDS INC on Twitter. And our poll question today, and by the way, you can use promo code CC15 for 15% off your first order of pop rinds. Jeff, I'm going to set you up with some of these pop rinds, okay? Pork rinds. You set me up with donuts. I'm... Down for pork rinds, too. Yeah, I'm getting every media member is going to be as fat as me by the end of the season. Here have, with the pork will, rinds and the donuts. Will, will they have sprinkles? I could, I have some sprinkles. I, You know what? I'm going to carry those. I'm not those sure I want your bag. kind of sprinkles, man. <laughs> I'm going to get you some of these pork rinds. you got to try these things. You throw them in the air fryer, 90 seconds, boom. They come up. They kind of look like little little like pieces of beef jerky, but they yeah. pop like a popcorn. Very cool. Uh, 15% off with our promo code CC15 at atlasgds.com. Our poll question today, who has the best chance of being in the opening night lineup of these three players? Our options, Christian Wolanin, Guillaume Brisebois, and Vasily Pod Colson. Pretty close one here. Vasily Pod Colson wins with 32%. Christian Wolanin coming in at 29.9%. Guillaume Brisebois with 18.6%. And our final option, who I can see, because this isn't my poll that I put in here. This is Aaron. Aaron, we're going to bring you in here. You voted I'm angry. <laughs> I can, we can see that you voted I'm angry. What's going on today, Aaron? And he's muted. Tough day? 
I'm angry. Okay. What do you What do you want from me? No, I always right. notice that on on Donnie and Dolly, and I assume that it's Ryan Henderson yep. that does the graphic work, and they put their poll question up, mm-hmm. but. He tells on himself because you can see that's what it, it, the smart move is. You go on your own account, you pull up your own poll, and yes. nobody's voting. Uh, yeah. But Aaron, normally you're a guy who votes. You, you don't do the angry stuff normally. Today I didn't know I didn't know where to answer. Okay. So that seems, and it seemed like 19 percent of people agreed with me. Well, yeah. So I'm going to stick with my answer. I don't know if you guys are getting the storm like we are here in BC, but I think that's going to make a few people angry. We've got to get Jeff out of here before the storm hits, I think. Rick Pocket must have voted as well. Yeah. He was a little angry. No doubt. Okay. Well, Aaron, we hope your day gets a little bit better, man. That's for sure. (laughs) Uh, So, Vasily Podkolzin wins the poll. Uh, Christian Lennon just in behind. Does that surprise you at all? No, because, uh, look, I'm not writing Podkolzin off, but I, I need to see, and as you said, moments. I don't need the guy to dominate, but I do need to see him do more than just skate around in a Canucks jersey yeah. when he's out there. Uh, and I think Christian Willannon is going to be in the opening night lineup. So I would have voted Willannon. I didn't get a chance to cast my vote. But the fact that he is close and it was neck and neck, uh, I feel a little bit better about that and the read that the market has on the way things are shaking down here. Uh, and again, I I think just from what we've seen and the fact that Breezebois has been with the big group for the most part, you know, I'm kind of bracing myself for Guillaume Breezebois to make the National Hockey League roster here out of camp. Mm. I'm surprised you wouldn't have gone, I'm angry. I've kept you for 12 minutes no, longer than I promised. Here in the uh, <laughs> Canuck Convo studio in Quadrelli's chair. Yeah, yikes. It, it, it's kind of crazy to me, Jeff, because I've listened to you for a long time. And I tell you, back-to-back days now, I've had Frank Cervalli and yourself, Jeff Patterson, in here for still You told me that five years ago. I would have been laughing at you, thinking that's hilarious. But uh, it's been a pleasure to have you. We're going to wrap up here with the Betway, 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 Bet of the Day it's from Betway, folks. Betway, Betway. Let's get this thing up, Aaron. Betway. Believe it or not, Jeff, I'm going overseas. Does shocking. this surprise you a at all? Shocking development. <laughs> we are heading overseas, folks. I'm giving you the, the details here about some SHL action tomorrow morning. 10 a.m. is the bet. You can get this one in tonight over on Betway, Betway, Betway. Let me say, Aurobro, we know, home of Elias Pettersson. And Jonathan LeCaramacchi, they're playing there right now. And they are both playing, Jeff. Did you know Elias Pettersson got some shifts? Finally, DPD's getting some shifts the other day, so that's great to see. Uh, Orbro, they are 4-0 on the year. Uh, Malmu, um, which we're missing the little dot there, they're they're 1-1-0-2 on the season. So I'm rocking with Orbro here. And the over of 5.5 goals in this game. A $10 bet that's going to return you 32 over on Betway, 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 they got the three-point system there in the SHL. Are you a fan? So for people who don't know, three points if you win in regulation, two points if you win in overtime, one point if you lose in overtime, zero points for a regulation loss. Should the NHL do that? Well, I'm not a fan of the four columns Mm. because the Western Hockey League, I think, has four columns as well, but they differentiate overtime and shootout. Mm Mm-hmm. And so this is different, but if you're just coming to the standings table and you see four columns, like, you know, the SHL is different than the Western. So I'd like some standardization. If we're going to go to four columns, I'd like, (laughs) damn it, I'd like some standardization. I actually like that, though, from the idea of making overtime so exciting. Like, my ideal situation would be a 10-minute three-on-three overtime where the overtime will get you two points for a win, the other team, they can have a loser point if you want. I haven't even really committed to this fully. But if you win in a shootout, you just get one point, loser gets none. I, I kind of like that because it feels like 
you have an option here to have the most exciting hockey possible. And listen, we get three on three in the All-Star game. That's not it. You need it to matter. This would make overtime matter like crazy. Having the 10 minutes of, okay, we're going to get the two points instead of just one if we end up going to a shootout. And, hey, if we lose here in overtime, at least we still get a point. We lose in a shootout, we don't get nothing. So I like the four-way, but I, I kind of do almost like the WHL way. The three points for a win, I'm not a huge fan only because mm. I think, and it's never going to happen because the NHL loves the parody and Gary trumps that all the time. <laughs> yes. But I, I think if it's three points for a win, I think teams that have a lead in the third period could go into complete lockdown mode and kind of dumb the game down and do whatever they can to get it across the finish line, mm-hmm. even if the other team is pushing and pushing, uh, knowing that there are three points up for grabs. But I do think it might change the way that some of these teams play, and I fear that the entertainment factor could suffer a little bit as teams just try to, you know, bore a game yeah, down, totally. essentially, and, and run out the clock. I just feel that in overtime at times. Like, I feel like... Teams are more just like, well, let's take our chances in the shootout. Right. And I don't really like just, yep. ah, we'll take our chances. That doesn't make sense. I'd, I'd be okay to devalue the shootout, to find a way to do that if uh, that's something that the National Hockey League was interested in. And, you know, I'd be all for more, uh, like three on three overtime. I just, in 82 games and with back to backs, you're limiting the number of players you use, the star players. They've already played a lot, and then if they have to jump on a plane and fly and play the next night, like I think you're asking an awful lot of a limited number of players, and that's kind of the one downside, I think, of even... But, like, lots of those games would be settled even before the end of the five minutes of sudden death. So it wouldn't be every game would go the the distance of of ten minutes of of extra time. Yeah, that's true. But uh, you're right, like, three and four, imagine having two of those in there. You're asking a lot from the players. You are right there. Uh, Jeff? our first time doing this on the Canucks combo. I think we'll be uh, talking to you more here on the show down the road. Hopefully I don't have to drag you in here for an hour <laughs> and a half like this uh, every week or so, but quads, he's busy with the, with the puppies. So uh, what's coming up for you uh, rink wide, where are we going there uh, as well as some hockey news stuff as well. I saw you just drop uh, some article. The thing you're doing, Jeff, you're evolving 2023. <laughs> I'm seeing video. I'm seeing all this stuff in the articles. You're looking I like Canucks I... army articles over here. Well, I, I, I had some video of McCabe and I thought, why keep it to myself? Like, people probably want to see, does this guy, as you said, like, you know, to watch him in the few drills that he was in, he looked okay. And so I had some pretty good video of that. So I embedded that in the story that I wrote. And, uh, yeah, the hockey news has been fun. It's incredible, uh, you know, through the off season, And you probably felt it as well with some of the articles that you've written. I know that we all want to believe that they're all reaching these massive audiences, <laughs> but there are casual fans that check out for the summer. It's been so good here, training camp and into the preseason you know, the numbers uh, don't lie. Like, people are back. They're excited about hockey season. So, uh, looking forward to, yeah, I've kind of had to, you know, shake off a little bit of writing and typing rust. As, uh, I've done a lot of writing over the years, but it had been a little while. So, excited to kind of cover the team on that side for the hockey news. But uh, rink-wide and all that we're doing there with Garrison Price as well, uh, we're up and running. Again, uh, post-game pods. And uh, I love that space. I mean, I've had an opportunity to host a lot of post-game shows over the years and it is probably my my favorite space just right on the front line right after games to sort of you know try and drive some conversation and just pick apart uh, these games and what jumped out at me and share those thoughts so uh, excited that we're starting again here uh, hopefully we get uh, better material than <laughs> 10 nothing i can't imagine that uh, the rest of the preseason it better not look like that 
And certainly, I just thought, I don't know about you, but I just thought, like, the angst in the market after a 10 nothing preseason opener, uh, you know, it was reassuring on one hand that people care. Yeah. Right? But I think, man, like, the Canucks open back-to-back against McDavid and the Oilers. If they stub their toe and go 0-2 out of the gate after all the talk about the need for a fast start, you know, after the last couple of years, like, what will this market feel like? But we'll worry about that when we get to it there's still preseason to get through but uh yeah opening night against a team like the Oilers and the power play that they can run out uh it's going to be fascinating so uh yeah rank wide after every game and uh just uh, tapping away at the keyboards and trying to cover this team and whatever news uh, breaks around the Canucks for the hockey news absolutely and we'll be talking with you throughout the season as well and I gotta say maybe I didn't see every preseason uh rank wide I didn't listen to every single one but all 82 I was there for all 82 last year. Came up, obviously. I'd walk up. I'd finish my work. We'd do the media. I'd head up here. Normally, bang out a little. I'd have to get my dog ratings in, of course. Get the dog rating out there. Then I set up, relax on the couch every day. Didn't miss one of your 82 games for post game. So people, be sure to check that out. Um, Excited uh, to see what happens this year with Rinkwide. And I know you guys are going to be there for every post game, uh, and that'll be a treat. How do you not get sick? Over the whole season, Jeff, I I got yeah. COVID last year, so I had to miss one game last year. How do you know? How do you do it? What do you do? You have the the antidote to just life, or what do you have here? Oh, I got COVID. Uh, <laughs> I've had COVID a couple of times, yeah. so I've had to sit one of the Botchford nights a couple of seasons right, ago. I yeah. had COVID that uh, was unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I mean, look at me. I don't know if uh, you know the video and the computer technology does me justice, but I'm a machine. I'm <laughs> I don't. I get sick in the summer. How about that? Yeah, fair enough. We're definitely clipping you saying you're a machine, though, Jeff. That'll be used again. Uh, Jeff, appreciate you stopping by here, filling in for quads. So uh, we'll definitely be doing this again down the road. Um, So check out uh, Hockey News Rink Wide as well. You guys will be going uh, tomorrow to wrap up uh, any score predictions, Jeff? Nine nothing. Uh, (laughs) Step in the right. Hey, goal. Uh, I'm going to give the Canucks a goal. One goal, please. One goal, goal. please. Please. Too much to ask. Um, so we'll get there, and it'll be an exciting one to cover. Quads will be back tomorrow, uh, and we're just going to ride through. We'll, we'll touch. Uh, we didn't get a chance to touch on the coaching staff impact. Uh, some interesting stuff was said by Kevin BX on the Spit and Chicklets podcast. We'll dive into that uh, and a whole bunch more. We're back to five shows a week, folks, and we're having a ton of fun. I got to give a shout out to everyone in here for a long time of this episode. We were over a hundred people watching, and appreciate that triple digits throughout the show. Uh, so thank you to everyone who got involved in the chat, Jeffy. Jesse says, bye, Jeff. Lisa says, thanks for joining us today, J-Pat. Lots of people in here thanking and enjoying the show today. So, folks, that wraps it up for my co-host, Jeff Patterson. Our producer, Aaron Bordado, a name that you can trust, I believe, is what I'm supposed to say there. My name is Chris Faber. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?